You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, Episode 17, Astrology with Ollie. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Hey, everybody. Hi. We're back again. We're back again. Well, for you guys, we've been here every week, but actually we recorded a whole bunch of podcasts in one month, so we had a (laughs) a lot of, we actually had a whole month break of not having to record because we had a wonderful supply of podcasts to release weekly, so for us, it feels like we were gone on vacation. And you know what? I missed it. I missed it so much. This has actually become my favorite part (laughs) of our business. It's been great. It's been really refreshing talking to people from all over the place. Different cultures, different perspectives on the, on life, and uh, you know, bringing different things to the table. So it's been really cool, and we're happy to be back. We got a string of podcasts coming up, uh, but today uh, we had the opportunity to speak with Ali. Ali Nora, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, N O U R A. He's Lebanese. He's from all the way over there, and so we get to talk about culture we get to talk about astrology everything he's a great astrologist who's been studying this art form for quite a while and you can buy a reading from him and consultation we give you the information of that in our show notes as well as in the interview we're going to keep this intro short because our interview with ali lasts about 45 minutes and we're on a water fast yes we're 36 hours into a water fast and we are floating on the clouds right now so so yeah apologize apologies for (laughs) keeping it short but uh stay tuned to the end of the episode for your health tip and uh we'll be back every week from here on out i mean we got some really cool things lined up here but for now enjoy ollie adios Welcome back, listeners. We have a very special guest for you today. He's all the way in Beirut, all the way across the ocean, which is wonderful. We love having our um, foreigner guest speakers on our show because it brings us a little bit of culture and light to the picture. So, Absolutely. Ali is a professional astrologer based in Beirut. He offers personal astrological readings and consultations, as well as free monthly and yearly astrological forecasts. So... We're going to pick Ali's brain a little bit, get into his story, why he started doing astrology, but we'll also get into some juicy questions. So Ali, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. And thank you, Christopher. It's good to have me on your show. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, so why don't we start with your journey, Ali? Um, Obviously, we just told our listeners that you're currently residing in Beirut. Uh, Is that where you're from? Yes, this is where I come. This is where I come from, and uh, I I was born somewhere somewhere else. Actually, I was born in Saudi Arabia, but I came here later on in my uh, late teens. This is when I came here, but this is my motherland, Lebanon. Wow, so how, um, what, what, uh, what prompted you to leave Saudi Arabia to go to Lebanon? 
I had to come back, you know, life life that is quite difficult compared to what we have here in Lebanon. And besides, this is my home country, so I had to come back to it. Sure. It's always a part of, a, of the world uh, that we've talked about exploring. We, we both are travelers ourselves, and we've always had an interest. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you could put us on a plane anywhere, and we would definitely go. But... Uh, <laughs> sorry, we're getting a call here. Um, yeah, but it's... it's all the- Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it will be good to have you guys here someday. Oh man, I Lebanese culture is something that's really intrigued me. Actually, my favorite author is from Lebanon. From like, I'm sure you know how to pronounce his name. I don't know how to pronounce it, but from my Jibran. Yes, he's my favorite. Jibran mm-hmm. <laughs> Khalil. Yeah. I just love him. I feel like he was way ahead of his time, especially in such a country, um, you know, writing the things he was in the decades that he was writing. And on top of that, Lebanese cuisine and things of that sort has always appealed me. We we don't eat meat or dairy, but I feel that it would be possible to find some good uh, vegetable-rich deal- meals Ab- there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You're gonna fall in love with it if you if you come anytime soon. Just let me know. Will do. Well, let's ask you this: How do uh, how does how do Lebanese civilians feel about Americans at this point in um, high tension? You know, uh, we Lebanese people are very politic conscious, if I may use the word. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've always had this uh, discrimination between. The actual government and the people. Wow. Okay, we 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 never confuse things. Okay, this is very generalizing across the board. You know, we 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 do not confuse things. Like uh, there is lots of American people here. That's awesome. The, yeah, you can go anywhere and you will always find an American. There there are people who live here actually. Okay, they they love it here. They stay here and they're good with that. They do not have any problems. That's okay? awesome. Yeah, yeah, things in the political world can get too nasty. Get a little messy. That's but sure. I don't think people should. Yeah, yeah. But, but but people are people. I mean, who cares who is the president there and what he's doing? And who cares who is the president here and what is he doing to you? Uh, you and I, we don't have any problems, okay? All we have is uh, maybe shared interests, maybe uh, a shared path. This, this is what we have. It's enough that we are human beings and to, to me at least. Well, you know, okay, because I mean, n- nationalities and all this stuff is just accidental, uh, and it's not to judge people based on that. Very at least that's how I look at it. Yeah, I love that perspective. That's... We we share the same perspective, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really refreshing to hear because, especially right now in uh, United States, um, political concerns and things traveling as Americans, it's always hit or miss whether somebody judges us for what's going on in our country or not. And so it's really nice to know that someone like you in Lebanon sees it from a much different perspective than others sometimes do in the world. So thank you for that uh, openness. We should, all of us, all of us everywhere in the world, we should uh, entertain this this perspective. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere good. <laughs> we're not really going anywhere good, because 
the, the world is getting more and more mad every day. And unless we stick to the basics, Absolutely. just stick to the basics. We are just human beings, religions, nationalities, uh, whatever it might be. These are all accidental things. And if we focus on that, we're not going anywhere good. And I... Really. I- I like to use the, and I know we both like to say this, but you know the old quote of "We are spiritual beings having a human experience," and and again that puts color aside, that puts nationality aside, that puts everything aside. We are essentially the same being, uh, and if you l- look at it from that perspective, then there aren't any of these barriers. There aren't racism. Racism doesn't exist. There isn't any of this tension that we that we currently see. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot agree more because at the core, the core is one. Divisions happen only on the periphery. Divisions happen only in a sick mind and the sick mind exists on, on, on the periphery. It's not at the center. At the center. If we just, all of us human beings, go to the center, okay, and look into that, you will not find your, your soul is not black and white. Mm-mm. Your soul is not uh, male or female. Your soul is not, it's just pure energy and it's nameless, it's formless, and it's boundless. The moment we put boundaries, the moment we put these limitations, this is where we turn this world into hell. And this is what we're good at, us human <laughs> beings. This is what have we been doing all, all the time. You nailed it. You nailed it on the head right there. So tell us, Ali, how did you get involved in astrology? Well, it was... uh, I I never really had the intention to become an astrologer. It just happened naturally and organically. But my first encounter with astrology was maybe eight years ago when I was going through a rough patch in my life. If you guys are familiar with astrology, this was the solar return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, this this was the Saturn return that I was going through. And uh, I was dealing with lots of changes and most of it were really unpleasant. So it was uh, a difficult time for me and I needed guidance. And this was the time when I, fat, when I first met my astrology teacher. I had a reading with her. And that was like a mind-blowing thing. I, I could understand what was happening in my life, and her insight was a life-changing to me, obviously. So what attracted you to reach out to an astrologer to get a reading? I know you said you were going through difficult times, but what was it that led you in the direction that you went to say, okay, I'm going to get an astrology reading? Okay, I was, I've always been interested in the occult, in the esoteric sciences. Mm-hmm. But somehow, believe it or not, I was skeptical about astrology. I never explored it. I never bothered. I never, all I could hear, just like most of us, all I could hear was the sun sign astrology. Like, <laughs> I'm a Leo, you're a Leo, and he's a Pisces, and whatnot. This is all I knew about. And to me, this did not make any sense, and it's natural that it didn't, Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's, yeah. 
I, I just wanted to interrupt really quickly. That's something that, you know, we've generalized astrology so much to only know sun signs. And I try to, exp I'm not an astrologist like you, so you know much more information than I do. But I always try to explain to people, well, technically you're all of the astrological signs. It's just depending on which is more dominant and in different, you know, positions and houses. And it's so complicated and you're not just a Gemini. You're not just a Libra. <laughs> Um, exactly exactly yeah but anyway continue sorry yeah and and this is what i was just like you were saying I, I i never cared about astrology because you know generalizing people i mean dividing people for into 12 divisions does not make sense we cannot give predictions to people and anytime i read this uh daily horoscope it never made sense to me so in spite of my interest in the in the occult, I was skeptical about I was skeptical about astrology, and I never seeked an astrologer to be honest with you. But it happened that astrology came to me. Mm -hmm. This is this is I, I I keep saying this, astrology came to me. I was, uh, I mean, in Lebanon, it's really hard to find an astrologer. Okay, mm -hmm. you find people who talk about horoscopes, but finding an astrologer is not the easiest thing. I met two astrologers in one year. <laughs> okay, and both of them I had the chance to live with for a long period of time. So I felt to, to, to me this was life telling me something that you should learn from these people. And the more I lived with them, and the more I saw how they do things, one of them is really a great, insightful astrologer. He he, he never practices. He never practiced astrology. He never. He is not even known as an astrologer. He is known for something else. But he just uses uses astrology for his personal uh, issues, for for his personal life. Mm -hmm. And I used to see him as he works with with charts and. When, when somebody asks him a question or anytime I asked him a question, I could see that. And then when I met my, my, my first teacher and she did the reading for me, I never asked for the, for the reading. But she could see that I was a mess. She could see that I was... Because we were friends, okay? Mm -hmm. we, st we started our relationship as friends. And then she, she started sharing with me whatever she knew about astrology and... I remember that night we spent like six hours just talking about my chart and by the time we were finished I was absolutely, uh, I had uh, a different perspective altogether on astrology and for the first time it started to make sense that yes everybody does have a chart and it's like your fingerprint, you, we cannot generalize life, we can't say that all Gemini is are going to be married in 2017, somebody here gets married and somebody there gets divorced. It's a very personal experience. Mm -hmm. Okay? So this started to click with me for the first time because I was, I was hearing somebody out of me that knows nothing about me, that I only knew for a few weeks, telling me about my whole life. This was phenomenal, phenomenal to me. Mm-hmm. And then, going from there, I started to study. I kept ask her, asking her questions, and uh, just uh, the ball got rolling, you know? That happened. 
And the next thing you know, you got your own website and you're doing readings for people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I started uh, studying Western astrology with her, but later on, as I was always attracted to the East, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I am a meditator since long years and uh, I love the Eastern traditions, the Eastern uh, philosophy, the Eastern approach to, to the truth. And then I, uh, I, I learned that there is Vedic astrology, which is the Indian system of astrology. This, this was interesting to me because I was familiar with Sanskrit and Vedic astrology. There is lots of Sanskrit as you read its books. I met uh, some two, two Vedic astrologers, actually. One comes from the States and the other comes from India. And I learned a lot from these guys and uh, this is when i said goodbye to western astrology and and went <laughs> on with 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 my vedic studies i i i like both i like both systems okay but uh both of them are equally valid both of them equally work but since i am interested in the east and its, and its philosophy that was more appealing to me and it's more systematic you know i'm a virgo ascendant Okay, I like things to be more systematic, more scientific, more defined. I like everything to be put in its place. Okay, <laughs> Vedic astrology applies. Uh, Vedic astrology provides that uh, systematic approach to astrology. Well, I really, I really appreciate how you took uh, both perspectives of, of astrology and looked at both the Western and Eastern approach and then decided for what was best for your own practice. And I think that's, that not only goes for astrology, but that goes for a lot of things. And, uh, you know, we've seen the difference in, you know, let's talk about uh, spirituality, you know, as we were talking about before, if you take both approaches, both have their valid points So you just work with what you feel is best. And sometimes people even when it comes to medicine, Eastern and Western medicine, and there's doctors that use both approaches. And I think both approaches uh, can be can be valid for mm -hmm. sure. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, right now in the astrological communities, there is lots of debate that what is the best system? And this is where the truth gets lost. This is where everybody mm -hmm. wastes their energy and, and their time. It's not really black and white. If, if this works, this does not mean that the other system is not valid. Both of them work. And if you combine the two, I know one astrologer and he is one of the guys I read his books and... I learned a big deal from, his name is Richard Fish, he's passed now. He was both Western and Vedic astrologer. He used both. Okay, and, and the insight he could arrive to anybody who had the reading with him, uh, it was mind-blowing. Absolutely. Because he combined both both approaches. I sometimes use some techniques of the Western that I learned, like uh, the solar return is a purely Western technique. Um, the progressions, these are not techniques that are used in Vedic astrology. I use them. I use the what's called the Western aspects in astrology. I use some of the stuff that I learned, and I, I find them very important, and they fill in the gaps 
Right, right. No, that's really wise of you to do so, for sure. Um, Yeah. So I'm wondering, is the art of astrology widely accepted in Lebanon or at least your geographical area? I know you said it's hard to find astrologers in the country, but is it at least an accepted form? It's really not widely accepted. And this does not surprise me because there is what I call astrological ignorance going on. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm trying to, to spread astrological awareness by providing astrological content with my native language, which is Arabic. This astrological content is lacking. All we have is ancient manuscripts. I have some of them, and it's really hard it's 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 really hard to read. It's uh, handwritten and it's really centuries old. Wow. It's hard to read it. And this is all we have. Okay? And then we have the books that are published every year that tells you, you're a Gemini, therefore this is going to happen. <laughs> so I'm, t- I'm, I'm trying to fill this gap. And this is sad. This is sad. I'm working on a book right now. And it's going to serve as an introduction to astrology. Uh, lots of it is written in English. I'm writing it in in my language, so it becomes available to people. I have uh, an Arabic YouTube channel, which I talk about astrology in Arabic. It's really not widely accepted at all. And I don't think the interest is rising. Okay, people are in, people are becoming more and more interested. Okay, I could see that through my following, through my bookings. I could see that in people's conversations when I walk on the streets, but uh, it's not as I like it to see. Sure. So okay. there's still a taboo think, surrounded uh, that's surrounding yeah. astrology, but I, I, I do think that there is a shift going on, and it's not just a shift in one country, but I think a worldwide shift in consciousness. So that's something that I think as the years progress here, we'll see uh, some of these practices such as astrology being more accepted in areas that they're currently not. Definitely, yes. And you know something, Christopher? I I, I do think this is the case all over the world. The difference is of degrees, definitely. I mean, astrology is more accepted in the U.S. and in India than it is in Lebanon. But believe it or not, a uh, a few months ago, I was talking to one astrologer, and she was from Asheville. And she was telling me how difficult being an astrologer is. And you know, Asheville is, uh, is is a spiritual community. Being an astrologer there should not be a problem, and still she was facing problems being an astrologer there. Uh, so it's 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 a global thing mm-hmm. with 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 a degree of difference. But as you said, uh, there is a shift happening, and I hope I hope we're on the right track. I hope because you know, if 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 we look at it, if we look at the situation. It's not an accident that astrology is misunderstood. There is there is lots of reasons for that. To begin with, to begin with, I would say I would call number one reason is the simplistic approach to astrology, which is what we call now sun sign astrology. Mm-hmm. And if we if we take that seriously, we have a problem. <laughs> if we take that if we take that seriously, we really have a problem because this is not astrology. And if you talk about sun signs and you talk about this big deal of generalization, it's easy to find somebody who would stand up and tell you, 
I I don't I don't buy into that, and I do not blame him. Mm-hmm. Because we cannot be so general. We have like seven billion people on on this earth. We cannot divide these into twelve and and talk about predictions. Okay, and then you have so number one reason is the simplistic approach to astrology. Number two is the difficulty of astrology itself. Astrology is not an easy science. Mm-mm. Many people try to get into it, and then they get into it, and they cannot comprehend it. They cannot understand it, and then they just walk away and they say astrology doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But not everybody. I I always say not everybody is meant to understand complex math. Not everybody is meant to understand physics. I I absolutely I understand absolutely nothing of physics. Okay, and. Likewise, not everybody is ready to understand astrology. It takes years of reading. It takes years of research and analysis and memorizing. And it really takes a lot. But people expect that they should read one book and all of a sudden they (laughs) become good good at, at, at astrology. And if it doesn't happen, then astrology is not valid. Well, I like that you're writing a book on just simply an introduction to astrology and that you're not trying to force all of this information into, you know, pages in one book. So I think you're taking a good approach, writing an introduction to it. Um, But you got me on this subject. You know, a lot of people do think astrology is pseudoscience. And what would your response be to that sort of comment? You know, Sarah, I think there are two types of people when it comes to astrology. One of them who value astrology and and understand its benefits. And the other other type of people who have absolutely no knowledge about astrology. Some of them, they try, some of them simply don't have anything to do with it. Okay, they're just neutral to it. Okay, they don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's good. But some of these, they, they try to argue and they say, okay, it's a pseudoscience. But why? I'm, I met some of these people and the only question I, I asked and I have never received a single answer for it. Did you study astrology? You say it's a, it's a pseudoscience. Yes, that's, that's, I'll go with that. But did you study it? And the answer is always no. Did you have an astrological reading by an astrologer? And the answer is always no. Or the answer is yes. Okay, who who is that astrologer? And they want and they would mention to me somebody. I'm talking about people here in Lebanon. They would mention to me somebody who reads uh, coffee cups, but coffee cups is not astrology. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you you need you, you need to go to an astrologer. Okay, not necessarily famous astrologer. Go to simply the easiest way. Okay, the easiest way is just to go to an astrologer and have a reading with them. You may not wish to take the trouble of studying astrology, but I mean, if, if somebody is serious enough, they will do it. Sure. They will study and see, and see for themselves. If they are do if they're serious enough about their research, they can they, they can research that. But if you're not willing, at least be willing enough to pay an astrologer who can read your chart and then decide, and then your decision will have a meaning. Exactly. But just say, yeah, but just saying that astrology is a pseudoscience, okay, thanks for sharing. 
To me, it's not a pseudoscience. To me, it's it's an everyday experience. It keeps dazzling me, dazzling me day in, day out. Anytime I study a person's chart, I'm, I'm blown away. I can relate to this on a deeply profound level with um, my tarot reading. I like to do tarot reading. And... Mm-hmm. and a lot of people, you know, tarot is widely misunderstood. It's it's mm-hmm. a, much like astrology. It's very it's been simplified, and people look at it as this fortune telling device, and they don't realize what the power of the tarot actually has for human empowerment and developing connection with your own intuition. So, you know, I'm really like trying to break down those walls and taboos around the tarot and show people, you know, through personal experience, you can understand and unlock the wisdom of the tarot and realize that it resides within you. And I'm finding more and more people are starting to understand that, especially those who are ready to experience it themselves. So I I totally understand what you're saying, that personal experience with the you know, whatever modality we're speaking of is so crucial to defining whether or not they place any value on this system. Absolutely, absolutely. I I love how you said that, Sarah. It's just personal experience. No need to come to a conclusion. And this is the wise, the wise man's approach. This is the wise person's approach. If you go, if you are ever going to judge anything, be it astrology, be it tarot, be it anything else. If you're, you have to taste that. You have you you have to taste it. You can't just stand outside of it and judge it. Taste that. Then if it's good, good. If it's bad, that's up to you. You decide. But you need to taste that. You need to have a taste. It's like what we say and here: don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, And I, I can speak from personal experience. Anybody that's kind of questioning or been on the edge of possibly getting a reading from an astrologist, I, I would highly recommend it. And it's definitely empowered me throughout my life. I've had a few readings and they've both been very powerful. And again, I don't I we're doing so much. I if I could take on the time to study astrology, I probably would, but uh, that's not realistic. So I I will say though, if anybody is looking or interested in doing it, why not give it a shot? Because it's uh, it's very powerful and it, 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 there's definitely a lot of truth to it. Which leads us to the next question: um, How have you seen astrology um, empowering people? How how can it be used to empower people on their journey? You know the best way the best way to uh, to employ astrology the way the best way I like to do astrology is to focus on the path of the individual. Some of them and many of them come to me for predictions. Okay, in my mind, what's going to happen is going to happen. <laughs> okay, just know just knowing about it prehand is not going to help. The way I like to use astrology is to make the individual aware of the possibilities, aware of their own potential, and to help them plan their life accordingly. Okay? Some people, and this is the best client I can have, is somebody who is willing to employ his free will and put it into action. Mm-hmm. Because our free will, it can override. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a fatalistic astrologer. 
I'm not somebody who is going to tell you that this is going to happen and there is nothing you can do about it. Many of the karmas we have, they're not really fixed. Mm-hmm. And, and with some work, with some inner work, with some uh, remedial measures, with some behavior modification, with more free will, with more use of free will, we can override that karma. We can get over it. And I feel like okay. the future is changing every every second. So again, that speaks to what you're talking about as far as um, using your free will to take into action to change your life, essentially. Absolutely, yes, Christopher. Absolutely. Because we are writing the future in the now and in this very moment with the decisions we make and the actions we take. And if somebody comes to me and I tell them, okay, I'll give you an example. Somebody somebody comes to me and they ask me, and this keeps happening, and they ask me, will I, will I ever get rich? And the first question I ask, are you doing what it takes to make you rich? <laughs> okay, it. and mo- most of the time the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And and what what the person is essentially asking me here, will it be handed to me? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I really don't need to look at any chart. The I can say no with absolute certainty. You're not gonna be rich with absolute certainty because I know the person is not going to do anything about it. But the wise question is, what is blocking my path to prosperity? This is a good question. What can I do to make money? Okay, this is a wise question. Okay, this is how this is how I know that the person is willing to do something. That's exactly. They're not just sitting around. It's exactly what I do with my tarot readings. I inform my clients first on how to formulate the proper question and using open-ended mm-hmm. questions such as what can I do about this or how can I strengthen this or what do I need to know about that, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's to empower them in making their decisions and possibly avoiding certain negative situations that may come up in the future, but giving them that awareness on how to navigate that if it happens, but also giving them, like you said, free will to write their own lives. So that's really cool. That's a lovely approach, Sarah. And and you know something? When so, when somebody when somebody comes to me with a fixed idea that they will just get the prediction and leave, I feel there is there is a disrespect when I when I just tell somebody that this is going to happen. Okay, I'm turning the person in front of me into a machine that you are a helpless individual and this is going to happen to you and there is nothing you can say or do about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this. And, and, and it's sad that people, many of the times, they, they, they want to hear this stuff and they think this is good astrologer. Somebody who is full of himself, somebody who just says the prediction and yes, I can give you that. Okay, but... But many of the times you're you don't really you're not really able to handle that. <laughs> many of the times you can't deal with that. Okay? I'm trying to show you the way. And I believe I believe people like us astrologers, tarot readers and things of this na- people of this nature, uh, our function should be more like uh, an oracle. 
Mm. Okay. S- somebody who says or, or somebody who channels the message of the divine to the individual. Mm-hmm. Okay. We should not always stick to their questions because many times it's uh, it's not really helping them. Many times it's not helping. I find the individual. S- I find so much truth in that, and I, you're expressing it very eloquently. This is wonderful. <laughs> so if, um, well, let me ask you this before we get on to the last question. You do sometimes see things written in people's charts that you feel are inevitable, um, but you don't always share that, or how do you, how do you work with that sort of situation? And how do you know if yes. something is inevitable or not? That's a question I've always wondered, whether you can answer that or not. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a way to know, and this is why I love Vedic astrology, because it measures the strength of karma. I'm not sure if there is anything like this in Western astrology. It must be. It might be. I have no idea. I'm, I've never been clear about this. But in Vedic astrology, there is one way to measure the karma. And uh, these are called the avashtas in Sanskrit, the states. And these allow us to measure the karmic states of the planet. Let me give you a quick example. You, you guys have have an idea about astrology, so and hopefully our listeners too. So it, it should be easy to understand this example. Let's say if somebody has negative influences on the seventh house and we do know that the seventh house is the house of marriage Mm -hmm. and let's say the seventh lord is placed in the twelfth house which is the house of loss which makes which makes it difficult to sustain a long-term relationship Mm -hmm. okay And, and let's say venus which is the indicator for marriage is absolutely trashed with negative aspects Okay, mm-hmm. and in Vedic astrology, we also use another planet, which is the planet that holds the lowest degree in the chart. This is called the Dharakarka or the spouse indicator. So it's it's uh, it's different from one person to another. So we have to see the planet from Sun to Saturn and see which planet holds the lowest degree. That's that planet will indicate your spouse and based on its dignity this is the kind of spouse you get okay let's say this planet is also trashed so we we, we've got many things lined up speaking to the same thing okay what this tells me as an astrologer that this karma is intense and this is something that's bound to happen this person if they ever get married they are going to get divorced so telling somebody that or I mean to make the prediction that this person is going to get divorced okay is natural with this kind of chart wow okay? powerful yeah but I do not definitely not I never share such information with anybody I cannot I do not share longevity things with anybody okay somebody asked me about their age this is not something I like to talk about uh, a few days ago, I had one one lady. She's in her seventies, and this was her question. And 
I was telling myself I, I need to apologize, apologize from this lady that I'm not answering your question. And when I looked at her chart, it was it was really good longevity. Okay, so it was <laughs> it was fine for me to answer that question. I I, I told her that yes, you you're sticking around here for for quite a long time, but. Uh, these are the things that that can impact people's psychology negatively. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to discuss it, like uh, divorce, like death. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. And, That's the same thing with the psychic yeah. phenomena. I mean, going to a psychic and getting a reading, your many psychics will not answer that. And and this goes to my next kind of question that I want to address. Now, you mentioned in your example, like this is kind of the karma that you see. Is this something that someone may have free will on, on changing or is it is it set in stone in your mind? The karma aspect of the, it. If, if the karma is too intense, if the level of karma is too high. Okay. Okay. This is not something we can change. Okay. I like okay? that. Uh, this is not, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, this is something that is meant to happen to us. And through that, we should grow. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is not something that, yeah. But if, if, if the karma is not as intense, this is something that is changeable through free will. And I think it's really important okay. to note that if we are experiencing what we deem as negative things, that they generally, if we take up the perspective that they're used for growth and life lessons, I think that's something very valuable to help us get past whatever that obstacle may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. That's- yes. That's really, really cool. I'm seeing so many parallels between astrology and tarot. It's blowing my mind. And I never really, as much as I've always been interested in astrology, I have only read a couple books on astrology, so I didn't realize how deeply it actually goes into the same direction that tarot does when tarot is used appropriately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you just said it. When tarot is is used, absolutely, it's a very wonderful tool. And if you look into the symbolism, you must be familiar with the symbolism. They're just the same symbolism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the same symbolism. It's it's mind blowing. And this is what what I keep telling people all the time that you need to study tarot. Okay. You don't just cast the car. You need to study it, okay? <laughs> just like you need to study astrology. You don't take it for granted. Just because you have a deck, you don't take it for granted that you become a tarot reader, mm. okay? You you need to study it. You need to study the symbolism. And you need to train yourself, to train your intuition. To You need to get set up for it. Yep, yep. You, you, you become a conduit, as you said, a conduit of uh, divine energy at that point to relay you know, certain things that the person coming for the reading, whether it's astrology or tarot, it's what they need to hear at that moment. And you have to be able to put aside your own ego as a reader and just allow the information to flow, but to also have your ethical boundaries. And that's what I respect about your astrological practice is you recognize certain subject matters that maybe shouldn't be the focus, whether the client asked for it or not. And I do that a lot with my tarot. I set ethical boundaries. For example, someone may come up to me for a reading and say, I want to know if my boyfriend is cheating on me. And to me, <laughs> I, I, I could, if I wanted to cross the boundary, I could do a reading 
to uncover certain information on what on what's going on in their boyfriend's mind in their life but to me that's not appropriate because you're crossing this boundary into someone else's story and you know i'll do relationship readings but it's done in a very respectful way where it focuses on the strengths and the weaknesses and the desires of both individuals so that they can work together to create the outcome that they see fit for themselves and if Mm -hmm. the card for the outcome turns out to be something they don't like they have the power to do everything they can to change that and that's what i like to use relationship readings for but yeah it's just like you with your astrology practice you have to have boundaries you have to be able to tell the client like look this is not beneficial information for you at this time and I'm sorry that I cannot answer that but how about we rephrase the question and get into something that you can control yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely rephrasing can help sometimes if the, if the person is is uh, cooperative and yeah, it can help, but uh, not always. Some yeah, <laughs> sometimes you get you, you got one of these uh, difficult people that <laughs> they believe just because they're uh, they're paying for the reading, they're entitled for an answer. And these are the difficult people to work with. And I'm glad I I don't actually get a lot of these. Once in a while, you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it's a bad day, I mean, you got you got one of these people, but. Yeah, uh, as as uh, as you said, Sarah, it's good to set healthy uh, professional boundaries, and not everything is. People should not know everything they ask for. Absolutely. Like if if my husband che- is, is if my boy is cheating on me, if my, most of the times this is not really helpful information. Mm-mm. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Well, I know that I'm intrigued about possibly scheduling a reading with you someday. So how could our listeners go about scheduling a reading with you? What would that entail? Uh, it's it's uh, through my website or through my Instagram account. My website is A-L-I-L-E-N-O-U-R-A.com. And uh, my 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 instagram account it's ali dot astrology do you do your Only. consultations via telephone skype or do you do email readings no i'm not writing reports anymore i'm i'm just uh having one-on-one conversation either through the phone or skype but uh, reports i'm not writing anymore because the they leave rooms for more and more and more and more questions so it's good to to have it Life. That how long does a session generally last with you? As long as it goes. Great. What I do, do yeah. As long as it goes, there is no limitation, and uh, uh, the session finishes only when the when its purpose is, is is fulfilled, and that's answering the person's questions. Okay, so it's ideal for the client to kind of compile. Um, a list of empowering questions for them to bring to you upon consultation. Yeah, and this is what I ask every client before they before I read their chart. That write your questions and concerns to me, and give me your birth details. And I do sit on the chart. I spend my time on it, and then have the reading with the client. Wonderful. Do you? 
Do you, do you ever um, offer up any information from the chart that you might see could benefit them whether they asked for it or not? Definitely yes, definitely yes. My session is not just answering their questions, but I like to focus on their questions because when people approaches us, they do that for a reason because there, there must be a like a nagging question on their minds or they might they might be confused about this business or that they might be confused about a certain issue in their life a relationship a business and well a friendship anything it can be anything so i like to focus on that but uh, the, the the reading is not just confined to that anything that i feel important to share i do share it that's awesome. I do, I do share it. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, and most, most, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying most of the time the things I point out is yeah. I always get this response. Okay, I've always wanted to do this, but I was never encouraged. or maybe uh, I don't feel I have what it takes to do it. But then I say, just go ahead and do it. It's always in the back of their minds. So this is this is really important. Anybody who's listening to us, if you just follow your heart, mm-hmm. okay, and 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 go with that with that voice, because anything that goes into the back of your head is really something you should go after. Is really something you need to work to fulfill in your life. Very very simple and sound, yet very powerful advice. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate you bringing that. To, uh, to the listeners here and before we let you go is there anything else that you'd like to add here or you uh pretty much said it all i want to thank the both of you christopher and sarah for having me on your show it's a pleasure talking to you guys it's really uh, refreshing and uh it's just uh, a lovely flow of energy thank you Yes, we really appreciate your company and uh look forward to seeing all the great things that you're going to be doing in the future here Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much Thanks for joining us. And to our listeners, be sure to stick around in a minute for your free health tip of the episode. Well, that was awesome. That was great. He had a lot of really informative information and brought it down to earth and spirituality all at the same time. So Got the best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm encouraging all of you to get a reading done by him. We're going to do so as well. So now we're to our health tip of the episode. And I'm going to do one of my favorites, grains. Grains, grains, grains. Not greens, but grains. This is a hairy topic for some. This is a topic that many argue over. Nutritionists, doctors, who, whatever. Many people either love them or they hate them. And I'm going to talk to you about why you should consider loving them if you are currently abstaining from grains in your life. So... When I'm talking about grains, I'm talking about healthy whole grains. I'm talking about brown rice, amaranth, quinoa, millet. Grains like this that come complete with the germ and the bran and everything in it, not just the white. The white rice is stripped of the main nutritious parts of the grain. That's why white rice tends to cause more problems than good. So... I understand then if you're like, oh, I don't eat white rice. That's fine. I'm not talking about refined grains here. I'm talking about whole grains. So let's break down as to why 
grains are good for you and why we may be experiencing some mis misinformation in fad diets and things of that sort. And then you can make your intuitive opinion and, you know, you know your body best. So I'm just offering up some knowledge to share. So grains are a complex carbohydrate and they are essential for your central nervous system. They help to actually rebuild and reinforce the myelin structure that surrounds your neurological pathways and reinforces the strength of neurological sparks and things of that sort in your brain. So I'm not going to get into the crazy details of the science behind it because the human brain is nuts and I'm not a scientist of the human brain. However, this is a passion of mine with grains and these, these, the strengthening of myelin is extremely important and crucial if you want to have a sharp, you know, steady brain, especially if you want to learn things such as an athletic sport or learning an instrument um, because these pathways are created and reinforced through protection of myelin and myelin is influenced by many many factors but complex carbohydrates are one of them and it's also good for you because the glucose is carried to your brain and things are burned in a much slower way so that you can sustain energy throughout the day longer than if you just had a piece of chocolate cake or you might find after eating an apple, you get this spurt of energy, but it doesn't last nearly as long as you'd like it to. That's because that's more of a simple carbohydrate, which are also still very crucial to your health, um, especially in the whole fruit. But the complex carbohydrate is what's going to make you burn energy longer, especially when paired with fats, healthy fats, healthy plant fats. And it's also going to make you feel fuller longer. So for people who are worried about grains making you fat, this is partially true. Refined grains can put on the weight. You've got white flour products, white breads, you know, white pastas. These can actually promote weight gain, whereas brown rices and all the other grains that I mentioned actually promote weight loss because they make you feel fuller longer. They also regulate your metabolism. So what we're seeing that's happening in some fad diets, um, I don't want to piss anyone off, so I'm not going to necessarily name these fad diets, but when you eliminate grains from your diet, you run a risk for many things, and there are scientific studies coming out nowadays showing the increase of risk for Alzheimer's and other mental issues with age if you've avoided grains because you wanted to get skinny quick. Once you eliminate carbohydrates from your diet, you do lose the weight fast. And that's often why people choose to do so. They said, I'm going to get skinny quick. Well, there are ways to get skinny over a more sustainable approach, and that is to include complex carbohydrates in your diet. But by all means, remove the refined flour products. That's going to help as well. So when you remove good grains from your diet, you might see weight loss results quick and that's what we think is good because we live in a get you know get fixed quick society but what's happening is it's actually inhibiting your fat burning muscle growth and lowering your metabolism so when you relapse off that fad diet and you go buy a pizza or you eat a hamburger with white bread and all of this your metabolism isn't where it should be and it doesn't know how to deal with these now carbohydrates and 
ideally you should be eating whole grains if you're going to re reintroduce grains in your diet. So this is a reason that I'm super passionate about making sure people understand the importance of whole grains in their diet. And everybody's different. You can have, a, you, you can mess with a certain percentage of which your body feels really good off of whole grains. Some people like to have 50% of their daily caloric intake is whole grains. Some people only like 25%. It really just depends on you and it takes a little bit of messing around. But one thing that Chris and I like to do is every day for lunch, we have a giant salad with some sort of grain. Because when you're pairing greens with grains, you're absorbing more of the nutrients for the greens as well and guess what we haven't gained a pound we haven't gained a pound <laughs> we haven't gained a pound we eat so many grains and then oftentimes for dinner we'll have like a vegan mac and cheese and that's whole foods plant-based so no oils no sugars or no refined sugars things of that sort and the noodles are generally made out of brown rice or quinoa we don't do white noodles um and we don't do wheat because we have a gluten issue. I'm not going to say gluten intolerance or allergy, but we definitely don't react well to wheat products right now. But some people don't react poorly at all to whole wheat, organic whole wheat products. So if you feel like you want to buy some whole wheat spaghetti noodles, that's much better than your white spaghetti noodles. But that's our quick rundown for grains. I think I covered it all in a very short amount of time, but if you have any questions about grains and what you can do to incorporate them into your diet in a fun way um, and how to replace refined grains, you know where to find us. And check out, our, our again, our programs. We would mentioned them before. We have three amazing programs that we can't wait to release. They will be out sometime in May. Uh, we have a test group going through all three right now, and the recipes on there are absolutely delicious. doesn't matter what style of eating you like. You will love this. I promise you that. Absolutely. So feel free to email us at transform at soulandwonder.com or send us a direct message from www.soulandwonder.com. Later, folks. Bye-bye.